0: This is the Improved Photography Podcast, episode number 208. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, the tired and exhausted one because I have just spent the last three days banging at this keyboard typing in photo locations into the database for our new Viewfinder app to come out in March. My goal is to have 3,000 locations in there but I, I can't uh, emphasize enough how much work that is. So over the last year and a half, since I've been talking about this app um, and, and thinking about it, I have just kept on my iPhone and my notes app. Um, just every time I see a cool photo location come across my feed, I write it in there. But now I have 3000 locations around the world and I've got to find a Flickr Creative Commons photo for each one. I've got to uh, write a description for each one. I've got to find the actual GPS coordinates for one, research about, you know, entrance fees, things like that for 3,000 of them. Uh, so, Jesse and uh, Megan Graham and Haley Anderson are all helping. We've been banging at this, but whew, let me tell you, I am working hard for you people. So, I hope everybody really enjoys the app when it comes out. But let's get on to today's podcast. I am joined by Sandy Durow. Hey, hey, Sandy. And also Connor Hibbs. Hey, guys. Well, uh, Connor, I know you've had a day very much like mine uh, where you have <laughs> been doing a lot of repetition. You've been shooting a ton of headshots. How'd that come about?
1: Oh, man. So, this is actually some volunteer work that I do for a local high school's drama department. Um, it, it, it's something that I kind of have close to my heart. I really enjoy the theater and i want to support kids that are trying to do that so i'm i volunteer about every well three to four times a year depending on how many productions they have at this one high school that tends to be a bit underfunded um so i go in and i will do headshots for their entire cast and well it's exhausting and the first time i did it it took me close to four hours to get through the whole cast at this point i've gotten it down to about two hours and Doing so, I mean, it, it's something that takes a lot of special th- thought beforehand. you got to make sure that you plan out everything ahead of time and that you bring everything that you need, but it's a lot of gear to be packing into a location, so you don't want to bring too much. Um, I, I also want to leave a space in setting everything up that people so can get so
0: are, are, are you shooting them um, like... As they're acting, or are these just like, you know, supposed to be professional headshots?
1: Yeah, it's it's just supposed to be like professional headshots, just them uh, looking normal. I would love for them to be like dolled up a bit more, but half the time the kids don't even remember. Their high school kids are like, day. what?
0: yeah if you so don't look like you're you're tired then you're not cool <laughs> yeah.
1: they have some dopey hoodie on or you know a hat that goes down and covers their face but they don't want to pull it up
0: because they have a bad hair day so what are you one. doing for your background
1: um i i just have a little five by seven pop-up backdrop oh, that i nice. suspend from today i suspended it from an ac stand that i had with a little mini boom um, on some clamps. So it's, it's a nice little rig that I have set up. Do you know what uh,
0: brand that is? The, the pop-up backdrop
1: by chance? You know, off the top of my head, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it was newer if I remember correctly. Okay.
0: That's N E E W E R. Um, they make a lot of l- less expensive photo gear that I think is pretty decent a lot of times.
1: Yeah. And especially things like this, you don't need it to be super high dollar huh. anything of the sort, like it's As a background. It's, Yeah, it's black on one side, white on the other. So it gives me a nice portable option to bring into places when I'm doing individual shots. And that that ends up working out really nicely.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad you're doing it that way. I think that's so much better than, um, you know, getting the background stand and getting a muslin or paper or something. Oh, man, that's like an hour (laughs) setup when you're doing that. Uh, you know, you've got to get all the creases out of the muslin and stuff. It's a pain. Uh, and there are some, you can use vinyl or paper, but then you got to carry that huge roll. It's just a pain in the neck. And so I, whenever possible, in fact, I was just cleaning out my garage today, uh, in between sessions of typing incessantly at the computer. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and when I was in the garage, I saw my, my photography backdrop and I thought, you know, I haven't used this thing in two years. Like, should I just throw this away? <laughs> Am I really ever going to use that? Because it's, it's so rare that, that I, that I even use that again. I'll u- use a pop-up if it's a headshot or if it's, yeah. you know, I, you know, if it's just like shooting on white, it's not something I do very often, very rarely. And so I don't know. It's my a tough issue thing.
2: is the ones that we have are huge. I usually have to fold them in half for mm-hmm. something like that. If it was just headshots, I love the, the idea of those little pop-ups and I've been wanting one for a while. So, that's yeah, cool.
1: Definitely something to have on your list. I mean, they're, they're great and they're really portable, man. Like it's, it's just looks like a reflector, but a bit bigger, but to, to have a backdrop instead of having to, you know, I, I drive a little Subaru. So instead of having to thread a 10 foot roll of seamless paper all the way through my trunk up to the front, like pressing mm-hmm. against my windshield to be able to take it on location, I just have this one little thing that, you know, I can just throw it on top of my gear. i think it
2: looks a little more professional too it's because it looks so
0: awesome
1: (laughs) because you're ready to be on location at any given time yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i okay so i'm seeing this oh this is pretty cool in fact they make one that has just a little tiny little metal stand that can hold it up too huh this is sandy okay I, I, whether or not this is your doodad of the week we can find it uh, listeners you can go to improve com slash doodads and we will have a link to this uh product here it looks really cool actually um because they have not only white and black but they also have like you know gray clouds blue clouds whatever if you want to do like cheesy school picture kind of photos too so Pretty
1: nice. You know, I, I've actually purchased a set of the blue clouds and I would caution anybody that if you're going to do that, realize that it is it, it almost looks tie dye. It doesn't really look like a school backdrop. If you if you were to be in a situation where you had it kind of far away from lights and it was a bit underlit, it would look pretty nice, but don't get it thinking it's gonna look exactly like a school backdrop and that you can light it perfectly because it just looks like you have some weird tie-dye behind the person.
0: Ah, I've bought one of those before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so just oh, get yeah. the white or black. Okay, we're gonna link right. to this, but don't buy the weird clouds, go for white or black. Good recommendation. What's the price point on those that you found? Uh, 55, fifty-five. Fifty-five dollars
1: relatively reasonable for for somebody especially if you're going to do lots of on location stuff or even if you don't have room to set up a 10 foot roll of seamless that's that's a great way to be able to have a backdrop that you can easily put away
0: Uh uh-huh yeah that's great yeah okay so uh, sorry i stopped you on the backdrop but i wanted to know how you're setting it up okay so you got a backdrop and then what are you doing for lighting
1: Um, so i i don't know if you can do this with like young new speed lights it's something that i do with my strobes um but i I'll set up three and I will put one of them on two different channels and then I will put two different key lights up and switch between channels. So, so one of them is on both of those and I use that for my hair light. And then I have a key light um, that is just like a beauty dish directly over the person and then I have an octabox off to the side. And so I'll take a few shots with one of those lighting setups and then switch channels to the other and then I can shoot with that one as well. Um,
0: just to get different looks from, the same. yeah. Yeah. You know, I I found
1: cool, especially, you know, some people look really well under just some look great under some beauty lighting and then other people, it just doesn't quite work for their face. Um, so then I'll, I'll move over to a Rembrandt, especially, you know, if somebody's has any kind of self-consciousness about their body, I'll, I'll sit there and kind of talk with them for a minute and examine their face and, it's really weird because while I'm shooting, I'll just I'll realize like, okay, I've shot a few of these. I feel like I got something and I'll switch over to the other and I'll go, eh, this one's not working for them. So I'll take a couple frames and then move back to the other.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, That's pretty cool. That's a good idea. I've never done that before. <laughs> so yeah, you just set one set of the speed lights on one channel, one set of the speed lights on a different channel. And then when you want a different lighting, you just... One little click from you could, yeah, you can do it with your wine. If you have a wine 560 TX controller, could totally do it. That's yeah. pretty sweet. That's a good idea.
1: And, and my thing is, like, I know with the wine 560 TX, you would be able to switch between channels, but I wasn't sure if you could put a single flash on multiple channels. But now that I'm thinking about it, I suppose you could also just put, so like the hair light that I don't want to have to put two different flashes in that same spot, I could just put that on a slave mode. Oh yeah. yeah. That trip instead. So yeah, that, that's one thing that I would recommend that I've never seen anyone else do so clever uh, that, that I find it ends up being great because it gives some variety to the looks of the shot while still staying consistent. I have a consistent hair light, uh, but everybody's lit just you know a little bit differently depending on which shot there, which shot looks best on them.
0: Well, gold star for creativity. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> awesome. Um, you need a lot of energy for a shoot like this. That's that's one point that I have written down here because they get really exhausting, especially I mean, I'm averaging about three minutes per person and at least one minute of that, I'm actually sitting there to talk to the person and examine them and warm them up And because most people, especially when you're just throwing them in, it's like every single person you have sit down is in that warm-up period mm-hmm. that... Uh, oftentimes portrait photographers dread. So I'll try and give them a minute of just talking and like, Oh yeah, how was your day? Tell me about whatever and just kind of schmooze them and get them giggling and laughing and having fun. And then I'll get behind the camera. So yeah. Hey.
2: Have you ever come to, sorry. Have you ever come to a point where you had to explain to whoever's in charge or whoever's hiring you? And in this case, I know you did it for charity, but um, where you have to explain the importance of that, that schmoozing time. <laughs>
1: You know, it really depends on what kind of results they're looking for. In this instance, because it's a headshot, you want the person to look their best. And it is really important there. Other step and repeat things, it's... It, you know sometimes it's like kids with Santa which is something that I did last month and it's just like whatever throw them on Santa's lap and if they're looking in my direction we're good. Um, well, what,
2: I, what I mean is like so whoever's hiring you and they're there and they're on yeah. a time crunch I've had it where they come and they like they throw the person and they're kind of like okay let's go let's go and I, and I wish that I would have kind of briefed them beforehand and said this is how I do things and this is why it's important for me to not just get right into shooting just to talk to them for a couple minutes so the person you're, you're shooting doesn't know that's why you're doing it but the person in charge does and doesn't think you're wasting time. Cause that really has happened to me. Oh, I could see
1: that's, that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Usually whenever I have somebody that's tried to do that, I will just say like, Hey, can you go manage the line? Like <laughs> I don't like it when I have, 50 people standing right behind me can you maybe put them a little bit further away and send a couple people in at a time that way they're they feel like they're doing something to help the progress of everything happen that is so smart standing over your shoulder saying like all right next person next person because i'm like no like this is not your time
0: can i I have your permission to lead this photo session
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man so i mean that's a great question i could i've definitely dealt with people that were inclined to do something like that, but I definitely I push them away. Okay, in, and I mean part of the reason that you need a ton of energy here is just because it helps to be really goofy or silly. Um, uh, I I know it's also referred to as like blarney. You gotta you gotta really put it on and just whatever you have to do to get them in a silly mood and playful and like willing to try different things. So, you know, if somebody's smiling and it looks super fake, then I'll tell them to frown and be really serious. And inevitably they crack up just little things like that, where you're kind of interacting with them and trying to get something that looks natural out of them while still paying attention to their positioning and angles of their head. Like some people need a little bit more of a tilt than others. And it's, it's kind of a fine balance to do between trying to quickly get something done while still trying to be very thorough in the way that you're taking the shot. Um, but yeah, it's, it can be very exhausting. And after two hours of headshots, uh, my, my brain's kind of noodles right now. So
2: yeah, I think it's important too to put a time cap on it, right? I feel like that's something that could go on and on and on where even if you're doing it for free and say, you get me for exactly this much time because otherwise you're just going to be dead.
1: <laughs> I, I think that that's pretty reasonable or or a person limit. Like in this instance, I, I know vaguely what their cast size are. So it's not too bad for me. Um, but I could I could see if you were at a big business conference or something and you had a bunch of business headshots to do that that could go all day and yeah i could see yourself wearing yourself into the ground
2: or if you're just starting out and you don't know how to set boundaries and you just say oh yeah i'll show up and do whatever you need and, mm-hmm. and then you're kind of regretting it later <laughs> don't do that
1: <laughs> that's where a budget comes into mind and just charge per person yeah there you go yeah
0: well that's cool i'm glad your shoot went well well today i wanted to talk a little bit about uh shooting with fuji um files Uh, but it really applies to to any camera system when you're used to one camera system and you switch to another one uh things tend to work a little bit different and and look a little bit different in lightroom Uh, so i want to talk specifically about fuji uh today though the question comes from mark connors he says i'm loving my new fuji x xt2 but i find that the xtrans files are a bit trickier to work with in lightroom i find sometimes presets don't look right when first applied would you mind talking about this on one of your podcasts well no i wouldn't because here i am (laughs) Um, so when i first switched from canon to nikon years ago for six months after that I regretted my decision because I could never get the files to look right. It was just driving me crazy until another photographer who had made a similar switch before just told me to relax and just get used to the fact that they're not going to look the same and to start appreciating the things you do like in the files. Every file from a different camera system looks a little different. And when you've been looking at one for years, it just, just, it's just, strange when you're looking at a different one. Have you guys experienced this? Oh my gosh. Yes. It's,
2: it's kind of crazy, right? How different cameras are. You wouldn't expect that until you do it, but I did the same thing. I switched from Canon to Nikon and you're right. The the dynamic range, um, you know, like was so different on the Nikon and it took me a long time to get used to it as well.
1: Yeah. I I've always been a Canon shooter, but I also this past year bought a little, portable Sony that I can bring around with me. And the files on that just, I, I like the way that they look, but they definitely come out looking different. Like I almost feel like I don't need to process them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is interesting to me, Uh (laughs) but you know, oftentimes Canon's files look very flat and you really have to boost the contrast on them. And the Sony ones that I've gotten, they just come off looking contrasty and beautiful. Um, so that's one thing that I would say is different, but it's been a pleasant difference for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, from what I've seen looking at the different ones, the Sony RAW files tend to look just the most polished straight out of the gate in Lightroom. Just open it up and they tend to look more polished than the others. I would probably put Canon um, next. and Well, or Fuji as uh, very similar. A Fuji file really looks Pretty similar to a Canon, but maybe a little bit less than a Canon. Uh, So Fuji and then Nikon. Nikon files in Lightroom look super raw when you first open them. They look just flat and lacking contrast and lacking sharpness. Um, And and they're amazing files, but they don't start that way. I felt the opposite. I thought that my Nikon was punchier and sharper. Than your Canon?
2: Yeah, so I went from the Canon 5D Mark III to the
0: D750. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, the exact opposite. Well, this it, is I what I'm talking so, about. Everybody sees something different with them. <laughs>
2: or maybe it's not uh, uh, models or, excuse me, manufacturers, it's models of cameras could be different to the product that you're getting based on the year, the sensor that was used in it. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah,
0: everybody's going to deal with this anytime you change. So specific to Fuji, um, the most, the biggest complaint is that when you open these files up that a lot of the little fine details just feel a little grayed out, a little mushy, a little bit soft. Um, in those details. And I can assure you that that is just the way the file is opening up in Lightroom. Uh, You can absolutely uh, add sharpening without messing up uh, the file. You can add actually quite a bit of sharpening uh, to, uh, to a Fuji file and you'll see, oh, we got detail in there. We're just not getting, uh, that contrast around the edges that we normally have to, to kind of show it off. Uh, but the Fuji lenses are, are generally very good. Um, and so it, it, it shoots very sharp. Uh, it's just a, a matter of kind of, getting used to the fact that you're going to need to add more sharpening, especially the detail slider than you normally would. Um, and if it does mess up any areas, of course, you can just add a little bit of masking um, in the in Lightroom as well to get rid of that. Masking is the little slider in the sharpening panel that basically just says, if anything doesn't have enough of an edge Just don't sharpen that. You know, if uh, like if I were uh, if I applied a lot of sharpening to a face, it's going to make my hair really it's going to look like I'm on Good Morning America. Have you guys seen Good Morning America? (laughs) They put way too much sharpening (laughs) on their images. Their hair just looks crunchy. Anyway, it really does. Oh, man. I I laugh every time I watch Good Morning America because it's so So sharp, way over sharpened. (laughs) Anyway, um. So, uh, if if you're getting that look, it might you might want that in the hair or fine detail in weeds or in rocks. But if it's doing it to the sky or the skin, um, where it's more of a flat area, that's what masking is for. And so, I find you need to add more sharpening to a Fuji file, especially that detail slider, um, than you than you normally would. It's just one of the the differences in the file. It doesn't mean the file is any any better or any worse. It's just a difference in in how it's shown in Lightroom. Um okay, so um next uh, a Fuji file is actually I, I find that a Fuji file has excellent excellent color. Um much better than the Nikons. Um Nikon I I really have always had trouble getting greens to look just right in um, in an icon and the perfect example to me is every time I go shoot in the Columbia River Gorge in Oregon uh, or anywhere there's a lot of like vibrant green moss and stuff Iceland it just doesn't it looks very lifeless and dead and I could it's tough to just I can't quite tweak it in Lightroom to look right and Canon tends to get those green that green moss just right have you guys found that have you had any problem with that Well, I can't speak to Fuji, uh, but I can say that, for
2: instance, the Sony cameras, like skin tones always look so great, uh, fresh Mm. out of camera. Um, So I hear what you're saying.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Fuji usually does really well with skin tones as well.
1: Yeah. And as far as being a cannon shooter, I I haven't noticed that Moss looks very green because I don't exactly shoot Moss ever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's not a lot of Moss in your portraits (laughs) and commercial work.
1: Yeah, not so Um, much. I don't don't get a lot of Moss in the studio.
0: I want to go do a test now. (laughs) Anyway, whenever I go there, but Fuji actually does really well with with the moss in Oregon. But boy, Nikon, I'm I'm telling you, go shoot a cannon and a Nikon of that vibrant green moss like in Oregon that's covering covering everything. It just does not look quite right. Anyway, Fuji usually does pretty well um, with colors. However, even though the color I find to be pretty accurately recorded with uh, skin tones and greens, things like that, I do see problems with the color just not feeling as punchy Um, and this is where i think most people get frustrated no matter what camera system you're on is that you see the back of the camera and you're like that looks great and then you take it into lightroom and it does not look great (laughs) (laughs) Um, in fact a lot of times you'll open the image up in lightroom and the second you you flip to it it looks good for a second and then it when it finally loads ah doesn't look right anymore. Um, And that is because of your camera calibration. So if you go into the develop module, go into camera calibration, um, by default, it's going to, unless you're shooting a DNG, um, like if you're shooting a DJI Phantom or uh, Sony's, they're gonna have, uh, they're gonna be DNG and so your profile is gonna be embedded. Uh, But uh, if you're shooting uh, Canon, Nikon, or Fuji, um, then you're going to have all different profiles here that these are these are Adobe's way of trying to mimic the different styles in your camera. And so it's not going to be exact, but it should be reasonably close. So if I um, take an image and I just put it in Adobe, Adobe Standard, and then I switch that camera profile, you know, like if it's a landscape, choose something like maybe Camera Velvia, uh, and you'll see it's going to look almost identical to what it is that you were um that you were seeing on the back of your camera and then you can make changes from there um so if 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 it's annoying you that you aren't getting what's on the back of your camera that's a almost a complete fix to it again that doesn't really make the file any better and you can just make changes to your sliders and you can get it uh just as good as if you don't set the camera calibration at all um to one of the presets but uh if that's your frustration that's a way to fix it do you guys mess with the camera calibration much that slider in lightroom
1: i i definitely don't at all um yeah, I, I've messed with the profiles a little bit um, right when I first got my color checker. But after that, I, I haven't. I was going to say,
2: all. I feel like I'm in such a routine where I just kind of do the same thing over and over again, and that's not part of it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I can see that. I, I For a while there, I got really interested with it, especially as I was crafting new Lightroom presets. I wanted to see what was possible in there. Um, and... And there are definitely some interesting things you can do just by moving those sliders around. As far as those pri- profiles, though, I'm with you guys. I really don't don't go in there hardly ever. Uh, I certainly don't to choose a different one. I just kind of stick with the Adobe standard. It looks ugly when you get it. It looks really great out in that Adobe standard, I kind of like that it looks great out at the beginning because then it helps me to see what detail is there and then I can pull it out and add contrast and whatever. Uh, so it just depends how you want to work. Uh, but if you're having trouble getting back to the way the camera looks, that's a really easy and quick uh, quick, quick fix for, for getting to that point. So, uh, you know, Fuji files are not crazy different. I think some people kind of overblow the difference in in uh how the the fuji raw files are going to work compared to anything else just like any camera brand they're just differences and unless you're you've been shooting fuji for a long time and you're really used to what those files are look like things are just going to be weird maybe even for six months um and and then things will be normal um i I disagree i i hear frequently that uh that a reason not to choose fuji uh is because uh the it doesn't work well with lightroom and i always think how so what doesn't work well in lightroom uh it works great uh it's just different like every camera is it looks different um and like with every camera there are workarounds to make it look the way that you want it to so that's a little bit about fuji raw (laughs) files Sandy, I hear you have a little move coming up and you need some photo friends in your new I place.
2: <laughs> really? This is just an all call. Like, I'm moving just sign up. City I need a I friend know anybody. anybody.
0: <laughs> Please be my, my like, friend. What is it, Littlefoot? Where little yeah, where's are you? Somebody anybody No, that was that was the Lion King. Where Simba's down in the (laughs) gorge and he's like, somebody, anybody. That's me. Sorry. That's me. All right. So tell us about it. (laughs) Like right after Basa dies? Yeah. yeah, Yeah, dude, you guys guys are going to make me cry. How is this like (laughs) that? I have kids. We watch a lot of Disney, okay?
1: Uh, Okay.
2: um, well, hopefully it won't be that hard for me to make friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be shunned when I go to any photography meetup
1: groups. <laughs> Where are you moving to? <laughs> okay, sir?
2: sorry. So so we're going, we're moving to Drum Dallas. Drum roll. All right. And we, and we knew that we were going to be moving somewhere for a really long time, but we didn't know where. So I'm kind of excited that we have like kind of a trajectory now. Um, but I feel like I just got established here and I'm kind of on a roll. And so starting over is a little nerve wracking and I'm having a lot of anxiety about it. But I'm also excited to see how fast I can go from zero to, you know, uh, back to where I am now, knowing what I've learned. That I kind of feel like Las Vegas has been like my test bed. Um, so, um, yeah, I just, yeah that's
0: exciting. So <laughs> moving to, to, uh, Dallas, which will be great. I mean, you do commercial yeah. and product photography. I, you know, there's a lot of business going on in Dallas. It's a big market. Uh, it so could that
2: definitely be worse. Yeah. It's like four times the size of Las Vegas. So I'm very grateful for
0: that. <laughs> yeah, that's great and and i'm i'm excited for you i mean you're um you know you have all the skills of an established photographer of course but it's going to be awesome for you to to you know dive into the marketing and really start over with uh Mm -hmm. with uh with clients and things like that i i think that's that's a drawback for photographers in general is once you leave your market you're starting over
2: Exactly, um, and it can yeah.
0: take up years to build up clientele. Uh, so once you have a established photography business, you're kind of chained down a little bit, Got golden handcuffs. But uh, but but it is tough to move.
2: No, yep. So yeah, I'm just. I was going to say, if you guys think of any tips for somebody that was going to a new place that you were going to uproot completely, what
0: you would do? <laughs> yeah. So what is step one? What's what's your plan to get going?
2: Um, so we're setting up a new website and we're trying to get our uh, SEO going. So we've already been kind of blogging for Dallas and saying I'm moving there and just kind of putting it out there just so I can get picked up a little bit for Google. Um, and, and what's not the that website? Yeah, exactly. Uh, for search engine op- search engine optimization. Not that it'll help tomorrow, but the, the quicker I can get that history in there. So that's kind of just been step one. And, and the next step, I think, is to find um, photography groups there to join and try to meet as many other, uh, photographers that I can and say, you know, if you need, if you haven't known anybody that needs commercial work, cause you know, there's, there's not that many commercial photographers compared to portrait
0: photographers, for instance. And that's where I get most of my work is referrals. So,
1: and, and so and one way, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jim. Are
0: you, are you planning to do more, um, product photography or more, um, you know, I know you've been doing a lot of like, you know, buildings and interiors and things. Um, mm-hmm. what's going to be your, your focus?
2: Definitely, product photography. that's one nice thing about is. that is
0: it can be pretty national, right? Because I mean, <laughs> yeah. unless we're talking about cars uh, or steam engines, uh, it's something that you can have mailed to you. In fact, i I know uh, a photographer that runs a full business just doing that that um, he kind of caters to people on Amazon. Mm, and yeah. they people just mail him product all the time and he photographs it and send them sends them the photos. So uh, it, yeah. product photography is becoming very, uh, very much can be a worldwide business. Definitely. Yep. That's definitely going to be one of my main focuses.
1: Well, and, and one thing that's really nice about this move for Sandy is that, well, we were already planning on building up a new business anyway so so the move doesn't really change too much she already has contacts in las vegas and is able to make new contacts in dallas and because it's something that is something you could do anywhere mm-hmm. uh, it, it just it's actually kind of a benefit in another way because you're you're expanding into a new market with something that we can do
2: anywhere i appreciate connor's optimism <laughs> more than you know I, like i'm kind of squirming in my chair just thinking about it i'm really really anxious about it but
0: <laughs> cool and you guys have uh, lots of workshops and stuff that'll be coming up this year too that's exciting i'm excited to travel a little more in 2017 so yeah that's yeah. great well cool well we want to uh talk about lots of more topics including the hot camera system of 2017 Uh, but before we do that we want to take a second and thank casper for supporting um, this episode of the podcast casper is a friendly ghost uh but not that (laughs) casper this is casper the mattress company and they are great Uh, i bought a casper mattress i think it was about a year ago on the recommendation of my sister-in-law and i have really really liked it um it's what I like about it is one, it's much less expensive uh, than other mattresses. I I just about went crazy when I was going to different stores uh, looking at mattresses and I would lay on a mattress and they'd be like $4,000 I was like, $4,000? I'm gonna sleep on it! I, I'm not gonna drive it. I'm not gonna live in it. Uh, so uh, it was crazy um, how much and they would say it's an investment um, and I'd say <laughs> no I want a really nice quality mattress but I'm not gonna pay an absurd price for it and that is where Casper comes in. Uh, time magazine named it the one of the best inventions of 2015. You can try Casper for 100 nights risk free in your own home. Um, We really like our our Casper mattress. Um, I bought it before they ever advertised on the podcast and I've recommended it to a number of friends. In fact, I was just telling Connor before we started uh, that uh, it really is a great way to go. So uh, if you're looking for a mattress, go check them out at casper.com slash improve and use offer code improve. Terms and conditions apply. That'll give you $50 off your mattress. That's casper.com slash improve. Okay, well, here it is. Let's talk a little bit about the hot camera system of 2017. Um, so um, every... So what's the, the hot camera system of 2017? Um, first of all, it looks to be an interesting year uh, as far as cameras go, uh, because a lot has happened in 2016. And so I think generally 2017 is going to be a quieter year from a lot of the camera manufacturers which is good. It'll save us money on our pocket list. So I'm going to do a quick run rundown on them and then I want to get uh, some input from you guys and hear what uh, you think of them. So first... Fuji is probably going to have a very quiet year. Um, they just came out with the X-T2 and X-Pro2 in 2016. I don't see an update to those lines coming this year. Um, and they're coming out with their medium format camera uh, very soon in the next couple months. Um, but that's going to cost 9000 bucks, you know, once you get the, the camera and a couple lenses. Um, so unless you're the high-end medium format shooter, Fuji, I think, is going to have a very quiet year. Even their lens roadmap is, is pretty sparse uh canon is likely to release a full frame mirrorless camera that's um that's at least been the rumor Uh, and i wouldn't and i wouldn't doubt it um we'll talk about the merits of that Sony yeah. um, is going to release a full-frame mirrorless, probably a successor to the a7R2 at some point this year. We haven't seen a lot of rumors yet, um, but I would be surprised if we didn't see at least something um, on that line. Will it be the a7R3 or the a9? Um, we'll see. Nikon um, has been quiet for a while. I would be surprised if we don't see an update to the, the Nikon D810 line something going on this year. Uh, they have the DL pocket one inch sensor camera uh, that's been delayed a little bit, but that one looks cool. Uh, the Nikon D5600 is finally coming to the US, but that's a modest improvement. Uh, we haven't. Nikon didn't make a lot of noise in 2016. And so I think this could be a year for Nikon to come out with something. Um, micro four thirds seems to be starting to wane in interest i think a little bit i think a lot of photographers bought a little early in micro four-thirds and now they really are getting pretty good but i think it turned off a lot of of photographers who are the early adopters who just need a little bit bigger of a sensor and Hasselblad um, apparently has been sold uh, in large part to DJI. Uh, when I saw that news, I thought, "There's no way that's real." Um, you know, Hasselblad sold to a drone company, but uh, hey, it looks to be true. So we'll see what happens with that. With that. So, all right, no explanations. You got to just say, "What camera company do you expect to be the most exciting this year?" Connor, what do you think?
1: I think it's Sony
0: sony all right and sandy what do you say i i don't
2: know why i I would necessarily (laughs) root for uh canon only because i just switched to nikon but i think that it's canon if they come out with a mirrorless they're going to really surprise me
0: okay i i and i'm putting i'm putting my money with sony on this one i think i think sony could have an interesting year so all right defend your positions now uh Why, why do you think the, the, the mirrorless full frame from Canon that's rumored? I mean, we never even know, but (laughs) that's rumored. Why do you, why do you think that's an exciting development?
2: I've, I've kind of I kind of feel bad for being so cynical towards Canon, uh, well, and Nikon for that matter. But I've I've said it before, and I've said it to, to people um, just in conversation that they've got to do something if they're going to compete with Sony. Sony's just, you know, really hitting it out of the park. And every time that I go to any kind of um, convention and I actually hold a Sony, I'm like I want one so bad, and Nikon and Canon aren't keeping up. So I think that it would surprise me, and I and I would be pleasantly surprised
0: if Canon actually did uh realize that they need to do something. Yeah. And the the reason that I'm not incredibly excited about a Canon full frame mirrorless is um what's the real benefit here? I mean, if we're talking about, you know, basically the same sensor technology that Canon has done, um the lenses are all going to be the exact same size, um and the exact same weight. I don't think they're going to make a new lens system. Um, I mean, what's the purpose of this? What are we getting out of taking the mirror out, right? We're going (laughs) to shave off a couple grams and make it a little thinner, okay? Uh, We can put some interesting things in the EVF, which I think actually is pretty nice. Yeah. And then what? Like, is that it? Is that the the great advancement? Um, You know, we can say they're going mirrorless, but... But what does it actually buy for a photographer to do that? That that's a I see what that's a saying. question. Mark they're just
2: like so I I you're right. They're just keeping up with the Joneses. If they're putting out something they're just gonna be just as good as Sony. They're still gonna be a little behind probably with the mirrorless. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, it is. So like like uh Fuji going mirrorless, I actually is a very, um, big development. I think that's why I shoot Fuji as my primary camera uh, is because, well, it's the smaller format, it's the APS-C and they're so lightweight. Um, and it's perfect for travel, but it still has a good enough size sensor that I can produce professional quality photos for, for the work that I do. Um, and so that's exciting to me, but if we're going to use the exact same lenses and everything, then I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get what's going to happen. It may very well be a cool camera, but just the fact of of losing the mirror uh, doesn't appeal to me personally. I just want to see them do something. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on
1: that. <laughs> the, the There are two ways in which that um, full-frame mirrorless from Canon could actually excite me, and that has to do with resolution and the EVF. If the, An EVF is actually something that appeals to me quite a bit. Um, I do think that that's pretty cool and has a lot of potential in it. Um, that's one thing that I really love about the little Sony that I have is that EVF given in my little cheap Sony, the, the resolution on it isn't great. So it can be kind of hard to tell what everything looks like until I blow it up on a bigger screen. So, but, but an EVF is something that is definitely interesting in the fact that I already own a bunch of Canon compatible glass, as long as it's still an EF mount, which has been kind of an issue for them in some of their other mirrorless systems with that M mount that they have. Um, If it's an EF mount with an EVF (laughs) that is, you know, around something that can compete with the Sony A7R II, um, it doesn't even have to compete with what Sony's going to be coming out with. That would be enough to get me excited and definitely keep me with Canon. Otherwise, I could see myself wanting to change in the next year or so.
2: And EVF is electronic viewfinder, correct? Yes, yes. thank you for yes. clarifying there's that. There's a lot Sorry, of E's and in there.
0: <laughs> no, that's good. Sometimes it's hard to hear on a podcast when you speak letters and, and some people might not know it. Thank you for clarifying that, Sandy. Yeah, so it's an electronic viewfinder and it, it can give you interesting things. Because there's no mirror, um, the sensor gets to read everything. And so you get to see when you're looking through the viewfinder, it's a tiny little TV screen in there um, and you get to see the final product image of what's of what's happening uh, so there's no need for a depth of field preview button and all that uh kind of well you can do that still because the aperture is still going to be open that's wrong um but you you're going to see the, the light exactly um, how it is. Um, you can put interesting things on there, like you can put, a, you know, how far out you're focused or if you're focused to infinity, which is handy when you're trying to manually focus a lens at night for night photography. It can just show you when you're at infinity um, in there. Uh, you, can, you can add some pretty neat little things on that little preview um, by, by making it that instead of just, a, you know, reflecting the light up from a mirror.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, there's what's it called? Focus masking. So if you want to manually focus a lens, you can have a little highlight around the areas that are in focus. Yeah, and that's super stripes. Yeah, really so useful. cool. Even even if you're shooting not in with a, bleh, if I could speak, um, <laughs> even if you're speaking. Uh,
0: Shooting, This is
1: the noodle brain coming in right now. If you're shooting in autofocus mode, you can still make sure, like with a portrait, that the focus point actually is on the eye and not on the nose, because that's going to make a big difference when you're yeah. focusing and shooting wide open. So little things like that. I mean, th- there's also like highlight priority, where you can see when you're clipping your whites and.
0: Yeah, Some you can put interesting, interesting info in, in there. there. Like yeah.
1: it, it just has a lot of extra information, right? And, and one thing that's great is for those who like to chimp and look at their photo after afterwards, you no longer have to bring the camera away from your face. You can set it up so you can see the image pop up for and do a little review before you take the next shot without having to pull your face away. And that, that seems like a minor thing, but I think that, that could help.
2: Oh. Have you ever shot with somebody that that's used to Sony and then they use your Canon or Nikon and they they look in your viewfinder and they're like, I don't see anything. Where's the, <laughs> the screen? And they're like, Oh, my camera's not as cool as yours.
1: <laughs> I'm just seeing the
0: world. What's I don't wrong have
2: with? that.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah i i I am excited about sony see what they come up with the a7r3 for me um what needs to happen in in that system to that would that could get me interested in it in buying it is one they've got to fix that menu system it's terrible Uh, on it's awful on those sony cameras um the autofocus is is much better um, but I would still like to see some improvements there. The the Fuji does focus a little bit faster, in my opinion, um, and and really. The price is, is still very high. I don't see that coming down. And the weight. Uh, the weight is still a lot on those Sony full frame. It's really going to be about the same. When you're choosing f2.8 lenses on the Sony system compared to an Nikon or Canon, eh, it's about the same. And so I, I don't know about the weight issue, uh, but but it's something there. As well as the Sony a6500 series. Those are incredible cameras. I, That's uh, also an exciting place. So anyway, uh, it's interesting to see kind of what's going to happen in 2017. Uh, what camera brand is going to kind of start to take a little bit more of the lead. Uh, but some some cool things should, uh, should be coming out.
1: Hey, Jim, I think you might have glossed over one of the rumored great things about the A7R3 or A9 or whatever they're going to call it. Oh, what's that? And that is a rumored megapixels of... 60 to 80 megapixels in this image which is ridiculous
0: yeah that that would that's something that's as
1: as someone moving into more commercial photography the notion of eventually buying a medium format camera has become a little bit less ridiculous to me
0: yep yeah that's true
1: Becomes necessary. But looking at something, looking at specs like that, I don't really even care if it's as expensive as the a7r2 is because that's still saving me thousands and thousands of dollars versus going to a medium format for a resolution that could probably be pretty close to competing, if not just competing completely.
0: Yeah, that, that's a very good point, and and I'm interested to see that. I always wonder when I see when I see rumors for the new camera is going to have between 60 and 80 megapixels. I always think like, how could that even happen? That like, you know, <laughs> the rumor is coming from somebody who's in the know, right? Like, yeah, how? How could that happen that you're just like, it's going to be somewhere in this range without knowing, you know? Uh, it, interesting. I, I sometimes wonder you that, like...
1: The, the one thing that I could say for that is maybe the person under, like has their targeted goals, their specs, the thing that they are shooting for, and they haven't done testing on it to actually guarantee what it is, or, like, they haven't developed the thing completely yet.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So... Sixty to eighty megapixels, but one way or the other
0: is gonna that, be high.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous file sizes right there.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, um enough talking about camera brands. Um let's talk a little bit about the opposite of that. Let's talk a little bit about uh finding uh inspiration in our photography uh when it is lacking. Maybe we could do a little bit of a round robin on this, on this again, since we're already 45 minutes in. Um, totally. let's, let's talk a little bit about what it is, like, what do you do when you notice that you are lacking inspiration in your photography? Sandy, what's your process? Because it happens to every photographer.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that it just happened for the first time to me where we were going on a trip and I said, I'm not bringing my camera. And then I went, ooh. ooh. I feel so bad saying that. Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) So what I wanted, I want to do a new project. So whether it's like a photo series or just like focusing on something totally different, especially if it's your job, something that's outside of the normal day to day, that's what I want to do.
0: Okay. Very cool. Uh, yeah because your photography is very repetitive the kind of stuff you do with commercial and product photography it's very much kind of you got a setup you got your sp and you're kind of cranking product through so uh, that'd be a great way for
2: you i'm still passionate about photography it's just i gotta appreciate the art part of it more
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) again how about you connor you know i feel
1: bad because in general i don't know what i do i i I know that i feel this every once in a while but it lasts for such a short time that i don't usually need to do much to find inspiration again it's just kind of the lack of shooting for close to a week and then i'm kind of itching to get back with a camera again um but one thing that i do when i i don't know from a creative standpoint um what i should be doing is um I'll, i'll try and think of different like puzzles in a I guess that's the way that I would put it. I think of something that I don't know how to do, and then I try to mentally map out how I would work it out. And it's like doing an experiment and trying something and building a new technique, or heck, half the time it's discovering a technique that somebody's already developed and understands and has plenty of tutorials out there. For. But that's that's something that I find keeps me going on the creative side is not necessarily even thinking about a, the end of a composition that I'm trying to do, but more, okay, what's something that's going to challenge me, and how am I going to overcome that challenge? And that's something that I find. A I was going to
2: say, I feel like Connor is really good from, from what I've seen when you're always trying to find a new technique. So, and that's uh, one of the awesome things about photography is like, you'll never be done learning, even if you've yeah. been doing it for 30 years, have something to gain and learn. So I, I see you, I don't think you're getting burned out as much because you're always looking for that new technique, that new thing to be better.
1: That, yeah, that might true. be a part of it for sure.
0: For me, the thing that helps me most when I am lacking motivation is, is quitting cold turkey for a short period of time. I know I can't stay away for, from it long, uh, but this happened to me in December. Uh, I was I had been working so hard on the block method composition um, and got the, got the training tutorial out. Had done a lot of shoots, getting ready for it, and I just, oh, I was just overwhelmed. It was a lot, and I was lacking motivation to do more. And so I just stepped away from all things photography in the month of December. Just. Don't do anything with it. I unsubscribed from my own podcast so I wouldn't be listening to that. I, you know, stopped on my Facebook feed, all the photography stuff coming through. I just kind of stepped away from it all for a month. Um, And then as soon as January hit, I was like an. Addict in need of a fix. I mean, I needed to do some photography, uh, and I've been so excited about planning trips for this year and getting out and shooting and stuff. It it really works best for me if I just hey, just take a month and just step away. Uh, don't worry, the photography inspiration's coming back. I, it's just a little bit dulled down right now.
2: And don't beat yourself up too bad too, because everybody goes through it. And it's not the end of the world.
1: Yeah. Oh, that sounds horrible. I'm like, without
2: photography, <laughs> Connor says it's the end. Uh,
1: that's the end of the world for me. Like, <laughs> if, if I'm not busy doing something, then oh, I, uh, I, I, what am I going to do? Watch TV? Like, no. <laughs>
0: A couple other things that that have helped me before as well are one uh, traveling. Uh, I mean, anytime you're in a new place, it's going to be uh, you're going to want to explore it and photograph it and stuff. And so that can um, always help. And travel does not have to be expensive. It can be get in your car this week and drive four hours away and stay in a hotel for one night and just shoot there, whatever's there. The only problem with that is it's tough to find those photo locations. If only somebody were coming out with an app to help with that. <laughs> that would be so cool.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> uh,
0: next gear therapy is a very real thing. Um, you know, you're lacking a little inspiration, set down the DSLR for a while and fly a little DJI Mavic pro or something like that. Um, can definitely get things um, going. Next is get a photo critique. Um, we almost never talk about this anymore on Improved Photography, but it's the like the best thing that we offer. If you go to improvephotography.com slash store or just go to improvephotography.com and click the store link, down at the bottom, at the bottom of the store, there's a link to get a portfolio review. Uh, and you can get us, any of the uh, um, podcast hosts, to do a photography portfolio review for you. It's not expensive. And we sit down at microphones and record an MP3 uh, talking through your seven or 14 best photos, uh, giving you a direction what you know what to learn uh, next, kind of a place to go. Um, like if you kind of feel like you're stuck a little bit, man, that's a really good opportunity to, to improve your photos. Uh, so something that you do, or if you know, you take another, uh, skilled photographer out to lunch and say, you know, bring some prints along to show them, you know, just something to get a critique. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell some. I'm just saying it, it really helps, uh, to do that. Um, and uh, next, I know Jeff Harmon does this a lot, is to put together a top ten. Um, you know, put together your top ten photos from the last six months or last year, and kind of see where you are and what what else you want to do over the next little bit. So that's it. That's how we can get a little bit more uh, motivated. But now we've got to get on to the doodads of the week. Connor, what do you have for us this week?
1: Well, you made me change mine. So mine is the. Fovatech Studio Pro double-sided <laughs> collapsible <laughs> background. But that's okay because what I originally had was something that no one could get anyway. So that's the, we'll just go with that. But it's an awesome device. You
0: should talk about that one. Yeah, again, no,
2: later. I don't want to know.
1: Okay. Um, well, a while back, Jim talked about the tripod. Um, it's, it's a little stand that you can put on your <laughs> tripod. tripod. Um, it just goes like it's a triangular loop that goes over the legs of the, and has a little platform. Yeah. For you to put a computer on, it's a little table that you can, well, you can turn your tripod into a table for tethering and it has a cup holder and that's pretty cool. And it also has a little extra slide out, spot that you can put an extra external drive or a mouse or something like that on um but i just happened to find somebody in my local area who was selling all of her um, non-relevant gear because she was moving to the other side of the world um and i i saw it pop up on my local there's a facebook photography sales thing in colorado here um and i saw it pop up and 10 minutes later i was like i want it don't no. don't let anyone else buy it I but it turns
0: it. out you got the last one on is the this is a great device and they don't make them anymore
1: yeah they yeah. don't make them i have
0: no idea why they don't make them anymore this is an awesome device i've used mine so many times uh and they don't make them anymore it's sad
1: yeah I, I really don't understand because i was i mean i was and always struggling with should i buy a tether table of some sort like that's Uh, a a decent chunk of money so then i was always like pulling together boxes and just different things where i could put put my laptop on while i was tethering and now i have this and i like it because it's right there with my camera as well like it's right there it's beautiful
2: yeah that's a terrible doodad connor
1: i'm so sorry (laughs) i'm sorry to rub it in so um my doodad of things that you can buy is that background we talked about earlier
0: all right, mine is Radar Scope. Um, so I have been um, testing a number of different apps for checking the weather. This is in preparation for my tornado chasing um, trip that I'm doing in Kansas. In um the middle of may is when i'm going to do it and anybody's invited to come join me on that by the way Um, i'm going to be putting up links pretty soon on improved photography plus in the adventures i want that to be a very small group um since it's going to be a lot of driving around and stuff i it's going to be hard to manage if it's a large group um so uh, I have been trying to learn a lot more about the weather and predicting things and stuff not just for tornadoes but just to make me a better landscape photographer to be able to predict the weather uh, so I've tried a number of them and I asked on the tripod podcast which is another podcast on our network um, I I interviewed a professional storm chaser um, and I asked him what app that they use to, to check the weather and his answer was Radar Scope um, and it is great um, it is not smooth over um the data that you're getting it it's the raw data from each of the centers and so um much more accurate i was having some problems with several different apps that you know i would look outside and see clouds and i'd look at the app and they would say no clouds and i'd be like hmm <laughs> so this one <laughs> uh, is great okay sandy what do you have so
2: my i haven't been this excited about a uh, uh, Thing in a really long time, and it's I'm probably way too excited about it. But I got the one of those skins for your keyboard, so it's for the Mac, and I'm sure that they have them for PCs too. But um, it basically covers your your whole computer keypad, um, and it prevents like dust from getting in. But this one uh, is for Photoshop, and it's got all of the shortcuts on there. Cool. And they make it for Lightroom as well. And I've already learned a couple things, and I thought that I was pretty good in Photoshop, and it taught me some stuff,
0: so I really like it. Huh? That's awesome. Oh, very handy yeah. well thank you all for joining us in this episode of the improved photography podcast i hope you get uh value from it each week i uh, hope you're planning to uh come do some meetups with us this year getting excited about the app we have lots of fun stuff coming up this year and uh i just wanted to mention one other thing that you can uh Um, do to, uh, to, uh, kind of participate a little bit more esteemcommercial.com slash workshops slash lighting for portraiture. Tell us about that. Well,
2: you could just do, you could just do forward slash workshops too. So esteemcommercial.com,
0: um, esteem commercial photography rather
2: is our new business. And so so the very first thing that we're doing is a workshop here in Las Vegas on advanced, uh, studio portraiture lighting and connor sent me his slides for this and he's going so far into the weeds with portrait with lighting that anybody's going to leave here with pretty much like an engineering degree <laughs> it's like really in depth um so yeah you just go to esteemcommercial.com forward slash workshops and you'll be able to find us
0: so for somebody that's not uh super advanced in in photography like how advanced do they need to be to 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 take this
2: A basic understanding of the exposure triangle is what I would think. But Connor, what do you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would just say uh, to be competent in understanding how to shoot in manual mode, or at least understanding the, the concepts that are being used in manual mode, um, especially using flash, it becomes a lot more difficult if you don't understand all of your exposure triangle. But if you, if you understand that, the whole idea here is to get people who are maybe a little bit less confident with lighting, um, and portraiture and getting them boned up to a degree that they will be able to shoot like a pro Um, because it's not the hardest information to learn when you have somebody there working with you in person, but otherwise it takes a lot of experimentation and time on your own to learn otherwise. So our goal is to take a, a weekend and get somebody from maybe even a lighting beginner into very confident and competent with their lighting.
0: Mm -hmm. very cool and it looks like dates are march 25 and 26 in vegas vegas this is a good place for it because it's always cheap to fly to vegas yes yes indeed (laughs) very cool well be sure to check that out that's esteemcommercial.com slash workshops all right thanks for joining us uh, everybody this week and we'll see you in another seven days